let's say you walk into a typical bank, you know, I don't care which one it is, and you want to open an account. And then the next person walks in the door and they want to get a car loan, okay? Does the banker typically take the funds you just gave them and turn it over and give it to the car loan person? Have you been looking for a place to network with other creative real estate investors and to learn from different creative real estate professionals? Well then, the Creative Real Estate Lunch Club is the place to be. They meet every single Tuesday in Boulder, every single Wednesday near Fort Collins, and every single Thursday in Denver. This goes from noon to two. We'll leave the links down into today's show notes. So if this is your true passion, I'll see you there. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by realbluespruce.com. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I am DJ Scruggs, along with my partners, Manny Perez. Hey, what's going on, DJ? And Adam Adams. Well, hello. And if if I can take over, I just wanted sure. to uh, to basically introduce our, our uh, guest with us today. And it's actually kind of interesting. How many months ago was that, Ference, that we met you? We originally met in May of 2017. Okay. All right, so so several months ago, um, we meet this incredible guy uh, who's got a, a creative mind to be able to think outside the box to get things taken care of. And uh, I don't usually do this, uh, but I, I ran up to him. I've got a little, everybody I think knows right now that I, I run a, a weekly meetup group here in Denver. Uh, so I, 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 you know, this guy is incredible. I said, is there any way we could get you to come back here, you know, and, and come and speak for our our meetup group. So we've been working on that, trying to get that going. Uh, Ference has a fantastic um, uh, strategy, uh, creative strategy. For, it's called a personal banking strategy. Anyway, Ference is a renowned estate planner who's uh, focused on tax reduction and wealth preservation for uh, his clients. Um, he came in from Arizona uh, to talk to us today here on this podcast and, and to come uh, later today to speak at our, our meetup. And uh, why don't you, because like this creative uh, real estate that we're, that we go in, a lot of people just, they think that there's only one way to do this. And um, your strategies, the way that you talk about uh, getting a family legacy to just be able to live on farther than you, uh, coupled in with the real estate investing and this personal banking strategy is phenomenal. And why don't you just at least... uh, Start by introducing yourself, where you came <laughs> from, and we're excited to have you. Well, thank you, Adam. Uh, I'm Ference Toth. Uh, I've been in the financial industry for 18 plus years now, and I had a background in real estate. Starting in 2001, I started buying HUD properties. Uh, we fixed them up, leased, optioned them out. My wife and I bought about 30 in the, about three years, and uh, the Phoenix market from 01 to 04, of course, in, appreciated in value fairly quite well, actually. And we started getting these uh, properties back because we didn't know any better that a three-year lease option is not the best fit. But Carlton Sheets' book told us to do that. <laughs> <laughs> we had no mentors at the time. And uh, so that's why I find these groups like what you guys do is so fantastic. I wish we had that because we get these properties back and we could sell, we could re-rent them out for three, four hundred a month net profit cash flow or sell them for 40000 net of all costs. So we start selling them off. We start developing. We build build property. Brought in the roads, the wells, everything. Did a project. Made eighty five percent return in a year. This was awesome. Figured we'll do another project. We bought five more acres in Scottsdale, 
Cave Creek area, which is a really high end if you're familiar with that area. Uh, built about three of them, had some others going, and bottom line is, uh, you know, 08 happened. <laughs> and so $4.5 million of real estate a year later is worth $1.5 because we had some bare lots and such. So nice. been through the whole real estate process. I've seen probably one of the all-time greatest real estate markets as far as appreciation and also then one of the all-time worst. Being in, I was in the eye of the storm, if you will. <laughs> All this time, though, my one saving grace was I was still in the financial business. Our income was, you know, fine. It got affected some, but not so much as real estate. Um, and when I came across some, the, your your personal bank concept, as I stated, I've been in the industry fifteen. I'm sorry, eighteen years. Uh, five six years ago, the American Medical Association approached me about doing uh, financial retirement planning seminars for doctors. And one of their concepts they shared with me was this personal bank concept. It was creating tax-free income, creating additional cash flow, all these kinds of things. And I'm like, where's this been my whole life? So wait, you learned about this from the AMA? Correct. Huh. See, I guess doctors would know, huh? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> See, what most people don't realize is most financial advisors, you know, we're taught, you know, you need, you need cash flow in retirement, mm -hmm. right? Well, what I came to find out through personal experience and mentors is we need cash flow at every stage of our life, don't we? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, it helps me to this day. I mean, I mean, um, what got me into real estate as well, um, I have I have a girlfriend. She was in a serious car accident, and the only thing I could think of is like, hey, what if something happens to me as well? And right. for us, the only thing I could think of is, you know what, I need to figure out ways to get passive income that's going to be able to keep us okay. So, I mean, I'm glad you brought up that point. One of the things I've learned, too, is, you know, the financial industry always talks about accumulation. And, in fact, I find most real estate investors, I hear about this great deal and how much money they could make. But I don't hear much about what's the cash flow, the ongoing cash flow. And so we, I talk a lot about the difference between appreciation versus cash flow. There's a reason why most investors of all stripes, real estate investors and others, focus almost exclusively on appreciation. You know what that is, Manny? Why is that... Primarily comes from Wall Street. Right. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> and think about this a minute. You invest with a typical financial advisor, okay? You know, stocks, bond, mutual fund, that kind of thing. How do you make money in that scenario? Price goes up. Right. Uh, <laughs> you count, stock goes up in value, you get you get. I mean, you could get dividends, inflates. too, in yeah. certain stocks, but... Generally speaking, it's how much my account went up, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right. How does a financial advisor get paid? Well, I guess just on uh, the fees and right that fees, accumulate with money uh, under management, or in other words, cash flow. Absolutely. Oh, right. <laughs> and you think about this a minute. You buy a stock, it goes up 100% in value. Wall Street says you can have all you can have all the gains. Woohoo! Good good job. We want the cash flow. Which is smarter? That's funny. Warren Buffett has a saying that on Wall Street, um, it's the only business in the world where a guy rolls up in a Rolls Royce. And gives all his money to a guy who takes a subway. <laughs> exactly. So I, I'm kind of known as the odd duck in the industry. Many financial advisors uh, talk to me about how did you come up with the idea of combining or marrying real estate investing with financial tools, a personal bank. And I think it's just because of the experiences that I had in real estate. If I had known about this, I could have protected the downside, created a cash flow. And I don't like to think about this a lot, but that $4.5 million of, of real estate I'd be about two-thirds of the value back today. That was like eight years ago. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
So, <laughs> so, so you mean using this strategy? Using this strategy. Got I didn't it. Know about okay. It back then. So yeah, why don't we jump right into it? I mean, because we're sort of dancing around it. But what exactly is the personal bank strategy? Okay, your personal bank is basically using a financial tool um, to create a how should I say a, a an account that allows you access to your money. Okay, mm-hmm. it grows tax free. Okay, mm-hmm. you can access it tax free if you if used properly. Okay. And this is monies that you can use a lot like the, how the bankers operate. Now, and let me use an example. Let's say you walk into a typical bank. You know, I don't care which one it is. And you want to open an account. Mm-hmm. And then the next person walks in the door and they want to get a car loan. Okay. Does the banker typically take the funds you just gave them and turn it over and give it to the car loan person? They give a percentage of it, right? Don't they, I mean, they have, like, reserve They have reserves and such. But bottom line is they take the cash you just gave them, and they turn around and stick it in the safe, right? Right. Now, is cash an asset? Um, Sounds like a trick question, yeah, but right? I'll say yes. Of course yes. it is. <laughs> you can buy anything with cash pretty much, right? Absolutely. All right. Mm-hmm. So can you borrow against an asset? Sure. 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 We do it all the time. Cars, houses, whatever, right? Well, the banker takes the cash and then borrows against it. Now, they use the Fed window, but Mm -hmm. bottom line is they borrow against that asset, and they create the interest, the difference, the spread. Mm -hmm. So today, typical bank, you know, a bank account, what kind of interest rate are you getting in your checking, savings, money market type of accounts these days? Practically zero. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Less than 1%. Even CDs are less than one, typically. Mm -hmm. All right. Mm -hmm. What's a typical car rate, car loan rate, decent credit these days? I don't know, four percent, three percent, five. Yeah. You know, I've seen all kinds of ranges. And same with housing. You know, housing about 4%. fours, fours, mid fours. If you got good credit, all right. Well, think about it. They're taking your money. You're in our money. They're borrowing against it. They're paying out, paying out the investor, the person that gave them the money, less than one, mm-hmm. and they're getting four or five. Right? They're getting the spread. You can do the same thing. In other words, you can set up an account. It's guaranteed, insured. You want to make sure it's safe. Okay, we can do all those things. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then you have an asset that you can then borrow against, use those funds on a tax-free basis, again, if you use properly. And I don't know, any of your folks have ideas what you could do with extra cash? We can do plenty with extra cash <laughs> on any one of our uh, properties. So, yeah, I can, I can only imagine. I'm excited to hear more about this. Exactly. So the bottom line is I don't tell people what to invest in, but I find real estate investors find this a great tool. Because one of the cool things is that you can create two cash flow streams from the same dollar. And yeah, another, keep going. Yeah, walk us through this. Yeah. So in other words, you set up your account, your personal bank account. It's going to earn interest, right? Okay. You're going to get credited interest, so it's going to grow that way. As you keep funding it, put funds in, and earning interest, you're going to have enough money uh, either up front or eventually, depending on your financial scenario, to then, say, buy an uh, income property. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what's that income property going to do now? Produce cash. Positive cash flow, hopefully, right. if you do it right and listen to what you guys teach. <laughs> right? No, absolutely. Okay. Right? So now you have a positive cash flow from that rental or pro- income property, right? Right. If you flow that back into your personal bank policy, you've got even more cash flowing into your bank, right? Which is also okay. earning interest. So it's like I call it the, a synergy, a cycle of synergy. Kind of like a double dipping in a way. In a way. Okay. So if you think about it, you put some money in, it earns interest, you take it out, access it, and now you buy a prop income property, which now generates more income, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. If you don't need that money to live on, what can you do? More money comes flowing in. How long does it take you to buy property number two versus property number one now? Well, 
much shorter time. Now. Less. Yeah. I use a quick example. I met with a couple a year ago or so in Seattle, uh, both in the medical field, both significant six-digit incomes. Okay. And they had properties earning them about $1,000 uh, a month positive cash flow. And I asked them how much they needed to buy the property. They had four of them. Okay. And I said, how much do you need to generate purchase number five? Okay. And they gave me a number. And then they figure out what, we figure out how much they could put into their personal bank plus the interest it would earn. And then we showed where in about a year they were able to buy property number five. Just by using this technique? Correct. Right. Okay. Then we showed them once you bought property number five, instead of having four cash flows coming in, now next year you're going to have five cash flows coming into your bank, right? Mm-hmm. How long do you think it took them to buy property number six? Less than a year? Yeah. About 11 months. Yeah. Right? Okay. 10 and a half, 11 months. So now that... Oh, yeah. I was just going to... I'm thinking as you go through this, Robert Kiyosaki, yes. he continues to say, you know, you want to buy a rental and you want to focus on appreciation or... Or whatever, and he's saying you're going to be fine, or uh, people think they're going to be fine, right. because because even if there it's a negative cash flow for 200, one day you know they might have a million dollars if the if the it continues to go up. So he's saying, okay, so if you're making five grand a month and each of these is negative cash flowing 300 bucks, how many properties can you buy? And you you run out, you know, after right. 10 or 12 rentals. You just you're you're, you're you are making money. no money, right? It's like but a weird if, kind of savings if you're, account. If, you're buying, if, if it works, yeah. it's like a savings account. But if it doesn't work, then well, there's another part in the book and in, in, in uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad, yeah, and some other books that talk about if you invest for appreciation only. In other words, basically the only way you're going to make money is if the account goes up. It's just another form of gambling, right? Yep. So I'm not against appreciation. Don't get me wrong; I love it, <laughs> but you don't want to count on it. Yeah, and what he's saying is, is what if you if you wanted to buy uh, you know properties that were positive cash flow, and even it's a hundred bucks, like how many can you buy before you run out of money? Exactly. It, yeah, it never different. ends. Yes, exactly. <laughs> the point, the the finish, the story, the synergy with this couple is buying the property two was faster, property three faster still, and it accelerates like a snowball rolling downhill, right? So we fit calculated run the numbers in about year seven eight they had enough money to replace both of their incomes. Wow. That's awesome. And this and, is just and, doing it all part time. They are still working full time, both of them. Yeah. So I think um, for me, so I've seen you speak before, and um, what was the hardest? So I, I noticed that you're you're always talking about bank, right? Yes. But the actual instrument to do this is not a. It's not from a bank, is it? No, it's not from a bank. And by the way, we can use any financial instrument. Mm-hmm. Any, I mean, any type of financial tool can work. Mm-hmm. Some work better than others. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, a few key things I'll give you is if a, a financial tool has market risk, knows it could lose value, do you want to borrow against that? No, because you can no, get... that you get underwater, you're in trouble. So anything market-related or, or subject to mar- losses is off the table, mm-hmm. Okay. And I mentioned tax benefits. We want to use tools that, you know, if we're going to get tax benefits versus not, I'll take the tax benefits, right? Absolutely. You know, it kind of sounds like, you know, with, with this is, you know, the cash flow, everyone has to consider that a tool. It's an asset, just like you said, it's Correct. money. And if you are responsible and, you know, you keep yourself accountable, just making sure, hey, we're going to take this money, we're going to put it into our personal bank, and eventually... When that, when those assets, you know, stock up, we're going to be able to buy properties, and then after that, you know, just kind of a snowball effect. 
Right. A lot of people ask me, yeah, like they mentioned that. Well, I've got to be consistent with this for to really make it shine or, or to maximize the effectiveness. Yep. Of course. Um, but I run into a lot of people that pay extra on their mortgage every month, for example. And my point, my point is, if you've got the discipline to do that, and I get why you're doing it, you're trying to knock down your mortgage quicker, pay <laughs> less interest, smart move. But we show people how inst- instead of doing that, take those same dollars, fund them in your own personal bank, you'll actually earn interest on top of it, get some tax benefits, and we can show you how to knock off a 30-year mortgage in seven, eight years using the same dollars. So, so let's, let's get into the nitty-gritty here, though. Okay. So you met with this couple. They had a situation, and then something happened. I mean, you, you brought something to the table. Yes. So can you tell us what it is you brought and kind of how it worked? Well, I basically just showed them how the financial instrument, we ran the numbers and all that and whatnot, to show them how it would generate the additional cash flow on top of the dollars they're, you know, they already were, what were they already doing with the rental property? Mm -hmm. Uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is, just like the banker, you can create an asset that you can borrow against. A great analogy I use all the time is, it's no different than buying a property. It has Mm -hmm. a value, and if it has equity in it, you can borrow against it and use those dollars and reinvest, make more, right? The problem with that, using that tool by itself, is you've got a monthly payment line of credit, cash mm-hmm. out refis, whatever, right? This way, this is a tool where you have cash in there, you have an account, it's earning interest, but now you can borrow against it. It's an asset. Like I said, cash is an asset, right? Okay. And it's going to continue to earn interest, but you can earn money on the borrowed funds too, just like the bankers do. I just have to show you how that works, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, so, we're, we're all sitting on the edge of our seats here. Like, yes. <laughs> and, you're, and you're saying, like, there's a lot of instruments that you can do this. You can put it under your mattress. You can use a house. But yes. it's, it's trying to say what's a safe place right. where you know that it's not going to be wiped out, that the stock market's not going to crash, and then all of a sudden you lose it. So it's a, it's a, it's a place to put your money like a piggy bank. Correct. But it's safe. Exactly. We, exactly. You could use a checking account or you can use anything, but a checking account won't earn any interest these days. Mm-hmm. So it's about what's most efficient, what's most effective. And that's where we bring to the table. There's all type. I mean, the entire financial universe, there's thousands of different types of accounts and such. What's the most efficient for this concept or this tool? Mm-hmm. That's what we bring to the table. And then which company has the best track record, best financial strength, all those kinds of things. We've done extensive research. We compare literally compare accounts almost weekly now. People bring this to the table. This isn't a new idea. Um, people have been doing this for over a century, by the way. Yeah. Okay. Wealthy families. Um, people ask why I haven't heard of it. That's mm-hmm. a big one I get all the time. Well, understand your typical financial advisor is the stock bond, mutual fund, diversify platform, Wall Street, right? There's another class of financial advisors who typically work with what's called family offices. I don't mm-hmm. know if you're familiar with sure. those. Mm-hmm. They deal with the very high net worth. You know, you're talking $10 million liquid plus, typically. Now, they bring these tools to their clients' attention because you can imagine a high, very high net worth or high income individuals looking for tax benefits. Mm-hmm. Okay? So they bring those things to the table. So unless your financial advisor deals with the top 1% or focuses on, like I did for a while, the doctors, which are yeah. the top 1% income earners, mm-hmm. They probably are unaware of or don't know about this concept. For real estate investors, are you guys familiar with subject twos? 
Mm-hmm. We we are because we're yeah, creative but, thinkers, creative but thinkers. not everyone knows exactly. what they are, or even knows if they're legal. I'm going to use an analogy here. Mm-hmm. So uh, a quick de- uh, well, you you get what's the subject to? I'll let you do. Okay, it's well, the, the only concept that really needs to be said, we can tell the reasons why some other time, but it's just that you're taking over somebody's property. You own the property. The deed is in your name, but it's subject to the loan staying in place as it currently is, which basically means that the old seller is still on the hook. Right. The reason I bring that up is how many times have you been, you've been told by real estate professionals you can't do that? A lot. <laughs> exactly. But yet you could do it all the time, right, Adam? It's legal. It's ethical. Right. And, uh, and we love that strategy. Exactly. Well, see, in my field, I get the same thing. I tell share people with this. You can't borrow against an asset. You can't earn interest on borrowed funds. It's... It doesn't exist. It's unethical. It's illegal. Or are these any other things? Just like you hear about subject twos. Yet we do it. We do. I do uh, a dozen or so a week. Wow. Yeah. That's actually intense. I never would have thought that you did that many. Uh, yeah. Our company does. That's incredible. So, um, are are you willing to share? Like, what is this? What is this place where you can place your money, and and why why use your company? And I could answer that for you because I've looked at a lot of companies, and I and I understand there's a reason why we brought you and not a hundred other people that understand this concept. Because, for just in short, when you do it with the other companies, they don't let you have as much of your own money. That's one of the big reasons. Because they want to have it so they can make the money. And you guys are doing it a little bit differently. You're allowing people to have their personal bank. Correct. And you're allowing them to get more of their own money from this personal bank. But what is this asset class that's, that's safe? And, and why is it safe from all of these uh, sheltering, you know? Well, uh, again, I use an analogy. Most people are familiar with uh, FDIC and insured accounts at a bank. Okay, These are insured accounts uh, insured by the state guarantee funds, actually. And these are financial institutions that have been around for at least, we work with ones over a century, A-plus rated. Uh, we like dividend-paying companies that have paid dividends for literally over 100 years. I feel like if you've paid dividends through the Great Depression and never right. missed, <laughs> yeah. that's pretty powerful. That's a good sign, yeah. And you've got billions in cash reserves to pay dividends going forward, also a very good sign. And, and by charter, uh, we use mutual companies, not stock companies, because there's no stockholders. We want all the profits going to the owners of the personal banks, right? The other reasons what makes us different, and uh, I've had a lot of people say this, you, you alluded to that, uh, Adam, is... There's a wide range. So, so when you run into an occasional advisor that does understand this concept, then there's a wide range of how it can be structured. And the bottom line is, if you maximize the cash, there's not a lot of commission in cash. I mean, cash is cash, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So if the advisor gives you more cash, think of a teeter-totter, they're reducing their commission, right? Mm-hmm. Correct. Right. So my, one of the things I always put out there is if you set up a personal bank and you do not have 50% cash available day one or more, your advisor set up your plan with their interests in mind over yours. We see that every day. So when you say 50% of cash, do you mean I have to put a bunch of money in and then I get access to 50% of it? Or more. Okay. We have some plans that go up to 85% liquidity day one, depending on your situation and whatnot. 
But that's a good rule of thumb to start with. Mm-hmm. I run into folks with a lot of these. I'll set them up. They can't touch the money for a year or there's or much lower percentages available up front. Well, what that just tells you right off the bat is they got a bigger commission. So just to be clear, so I put in some money. And and now I can borrow against that money. Is that I don't just take it back out, right? Correct. You've set up an asset. You set up an account that's an asset. Okay. Mm-hmm. The asset, the account is the collateral. Okay. Okay. So let's use a simple example. You got a hundred thousand dollars you put in. Okay. Mm-hmm. Nice round number. And I always say, people ask me this all the time. Can I do less? Can I do more? Of course. Add a zero, take away a zero. It works the same way. Okay. Okay. Um, you put in the hundred. You have you'll have access to probably realistically. 55, 60, up to 85, depend how, depending on how we structure it and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and again, that's different for everyone. You could access against that account, the, the, that hundred grand account is now your collateral. Okay. Okay. It's a non-recourse loan, by the way, for those of you who understand that. And the only collateral is the account itself. Okay. The company okay. continues to pay you interest on that hundred grand. Well, so, you pull out, let's say, 50, 60, 80, whatever the number so, is. So what kind of interest? Just ballpark. Today, they're, right now, they're paying 5%. Okay, so I've got 100 grand in, and if I don't touch it, I'm going to make 5 grand next year. You're going to make around 5 year. grand, correct. But even if I do touch it, you're saying I'm going to earn that. Correct, if you do it correctly, like we teach you. Okay. Here's the beauty. Let's use the example. You put in 100, you find a deal, you want 50 grand to go buy a property, income okay. property. All right. You have a choice. You could take 100 grand and go buy an income property, right? Mm-hmm. Or you could flow it into your bank, turn on, borrow against, uh, access the funds against it, I should say, and you're going to continue earning earn the interest on the hundred grand while it's in the in the account. Plus, what's your profit on the uh, the real estate deal? Right, whatever it is. So whatever it is. But but that so that fit, let's say you put fifty into real estate, you're not loaning it to the. It, could that be the equity ownership piece, or is that a it's loan? Cash. To- They're going to send you a check. Okay. So you take that fifty grand, you buy an income property. Let's say okay. you make ten percent return on it. Okay. Well, now you've made about fifteen percent on your money, haven't you? Right. You got a choice. You can make ten, or you can do this and make fifteen, doing the same thing with the same dollars. Yeah, I mean, in a weird way, it's almost like securitization, but where you only have one security. I mean, yeah, and you own it. I mean, you're taking you, this yeah, capital. You're right. you, we own it. Yeah, you're you're taking this thing and breaking up into pieces, but but they all come back together, right? They're still that's the you asset's still in the bank. You're in you still control. have this asset and the and the money just sort of flows between them. Correct. The wealthy have been doing this kind of thing forever. It it sounds like a incredible strategy, uh, which is why we're you're here and why you're coming to the meetup group uh, a little bit later. Um, but I think I shouldn't say the word but and I think <laughs> that uh, for a lot of us that are not financial planners um, like you and don't understand the ins and outs and interest rates and places to put this, we would need to maybe counsel with someone like you. Uh, So I don't know. We're probably going to get wrapped up pretty soon. uh, But I know a lot of people are going to have questions, and I don't think they should call me. (laughs) So how do they get a hold of you? (laughs) Yeah, Uh, You can call my office. It's toll-free, 866-515. 6280 or securemgt.com. That's S E C U R E, Mary George Tom.com or the email S E M, Sam Edward Mary at securemgt.com. All right. Short and sweet. <laughs> 
Well, Anything else? No, I don't think so. I mean, there's a lot of mystery there, I'm going to say. You know, there's a lot of like, hmm, what is this? And when I saw you speak, I definitely had a lot of questions afterwards. Right. But I did get them answered. So right. um, it's, a, it's a hard concept to kind of put into just 30 minutes. Um, but, uh, yeah, go to uh, go to Ferenc's website and learn more. And he, you speak all over the country too, right? Yes. Uh, I work with real estate investors, literally um, Seattle, Obviously, here in Denver, L.A., mm-hmm. Phoenix, uh, Vegas, and Dallas have reached out to me recently. So coming soon to a big city near you, I, I think you can you can um, you can see Ferrance live. Yeah, we we do a lot of our meetings individually. Folks go to a meeting. We'll be happy to lay this out. The reason it's a little bit of mystery is mm-hmm. every person's situation is different. So I can't really say this is how it'll work for you. Mm-hmm. But we'll look at your situation, and our goal is real simple. How can we maximize cash and minimize taxes and enhance whatever your investment strategy is? It's that simple. And we'll lay out everything and answer all your questions. Then there's no mystery. <laughs> Terrific. Well, thanks a lot for coming on, Ferris. We really appreciate having you. My having pleasure. Hey, thank you. DJ, and I want to thank you for being a loyal listener. We're glad you keep listening to each episode. And I want to ask you to please take a minute to give us a five-star review. And remember, we are not attorneys or CPAs. This is just the stuff you bring to your advisors.